Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development, where Andrew and I talk to experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. All right, welcome to episode 115 of the Office 365 Developer Podcast. Coatsy, how's it going? Hi, Rich. Uh, happy Australia Day, mate. What is Australia Day? I'm so, familiar with this. Well, there you go. Today, the, the 26th of January, uh, is our national holiday in 1788. Um, the, we're celebrating the day that, uh, that Arthur Philip uh, sailed into Sydney Harbour, established a colony, and, uh, and sort of went on from there. So, yeah, it's 200 and something years ago now. Well, I guess happy birthday to uh, <laughs> Australia. To, to Australia. Yes, yes. So anyway, it's uh, it's 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 uh, it's a day of usually barbecues and and cricket, backyard cricket, lots of fun. Okay. I got to tell you the the first time I visited Australia, I I want to say, oh gosh, I want to say it was in, um, it was like May, I think. I came on, it was like the Australian version of Memorial Day, I want to say. Oh, yeah. And yeah. The, I have never in my life seen a parade so big. Um, <laughs> like, like, I walked from my hotel all the way down to the harbor, and like all of the different like, groups that were marching in the parade were, were set up down every single street, and it just yeah. went on forever. It was and quite that, impressive. That, that, that would have been the 25th of April. And it was an Anzac. Okay. It's called Anzac Day, an Australian New Zealand Army Corps, and that commemorates the landings at Gallipoli in the First World War. But um, and and, uh, and we, it's a very big day for us in terms of uh, in terms of remembering soldier uh, the, our our, our uh, service people from uh, conflict past and uh, and the current service people as well. Well, I tell you what, we try to educate our audience on all things Office 365 Dev, but today it's a little bit of Australia history. So uh, absolutely, mate. And there's uh, it, well, well, next time you come down, I'll make sure you know about drop bears as well. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, you know, you know, last week we we mentioned that it was kind of actually, I guess, every week so far in 2017 has been kind of a quiet week for the community and for Microsoft announcements, but I think I think things woke up. <laughs> we made up for it this week, yeah. There's a few yeah. a few really cool things going on. Um, so we hook straight in because I think there's some great stuff come out of uh, just just out of the Microsoft team. And then we've got a, a bunch of community uh, community content as well. The, yeah, um, yeah. So the 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 SharePoint uh, the SharePoint team have announced that uh, webhooks is generally available. We um, I was going to say. Back on episode 108, we, we did a we did a, a great session on on um, on webhooks and, and SharePoint webhooks and where they all fit. Uh, but now they've they've gone GA. Yeah, this one was one of those ones. Uh, in fact, we made the comment last week when we were talking with Doug Ware. We were like, "Hey, you know, this is this is such a interesting thing for us because we're recording early in the week and it gives us a lot more time to you know get everything produced and and off to office blogs, but." This is one of those ones, like one of the pains of recording early in the week is when something happens that week, you don't get it in the show. So this actually happened, I don't remember, maybe Wednesday of last week. It was before the show actually aired, right. and but we didn't we didn't get to it. But I mean, this is this is pretty big news. Um, webhooks have been really popular in you know things like mail and um, other areas of Office 365. 
And this is SharePoint kind of adopting that same uh, approach. And, and there have been things like uh, remote event receivers that you could do with the add-in models, but this is really more of a, you know, with, with remote, remote event receivers, you had to use WCF and it had to follow a specific interface. So it really, it wasn't the most like open way of doing development. There was and something about so I was going to say, there's something about sacrificing a chicken at, at midnight under the light of a full moon or something like that as well. I, I seem to remember reading in the docs. Yeah, we had all kinds of weird stipulations in there. And I, I do think there was, PETA was mad at us. It was a huge deal. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, um, so, you know, with webhooks, it's really following more of an internet standard where you truly can develop that on any platform. I will tell you that what's gone GA are webhooks against the native SharePoint endpoints, so they're not there in the graph yet. Right. Um, you know, we do have SharePoint endpoints in the graph that are in preview, and they're working hard to get webhooks in there as well. But but we've talked about the graph a lot in the past, and the fact that you know the graph is a proxy through to those native endpoints, so it kind of has to exist in the native endpoints first for us to get that into the graph. Right, right. And one of the things that fascinates me about webhooks is because it's just standard web technologies, HTTP uh, REST calls, essentially, there's a, um, uh, there's, there's a really nice uh, synergy between that and the serverless computing stuff we've been talking about with functions. That's right. I think um, later on we'll talk a little bit about some of the, what some of the community has been doing around that. So good stuff. Indeed. Um, in, in the SharePoint space as well, um, some of these have been out there since the beginning of the year. This is, we're going to talk a little bit about some official documentation um, but there, there have been some new uh, items posted in here, and I thought it was worth bringing this up and letting people be aware of it. But there's an entire new section in our MSDN documentation about customizing modern experiences in SharePoint. So we use that word modern a lot, modern pages, modern teams, modern lists. And so um, Vesa Yuvanen, you know, who's obviously on SharePoint product group, uh, has put together a lot of great documentation out on MSDN around how you know, we recommend going about customizing these modern experiences. So you, you can kind of throw away a lot of your you know, old customization skills uh, and, and really look to what we're doing around these new modern things. And so we'll have a link to this in the show notes, but uh, it, it's, there's kind of a, an aggregated summary page in MSDN, and then we dr drill into some of those other things like provisioning modern teams, uh, customizing modern teams, customizing, customizing modern lists, and modern site pages. And so um, if you're a, a SharePoint developer and, and you're wanting to really stay on top of what's new, um, or I guess I should say what's modern. <laughs> See how I did that? <laughs> uh, okay. Straight in there. Th yeah, good, good, good stuff to read. That's awesome. There's a couple of points I, I, that stood out for me this, for this. The first one is that Vesa was, has been really, uh, 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 um, he's it, it, think it's really important to point out that we're not deprecating the classic experience. Modern is something that works side by side with, with the classic. So you don't need to go, well, if, if you're building new stuff, then great. You know, make sure that you understand what's going on with modern. But you don't need to go out tomorrow and start ripping everything out that you've done now and converting it across. Yep. And the other one is I love is that, that like all the like all the MSDN docs for, for, for SharePoint and for Office at the moment, there's a little contribute button in the top right hand corner and you can go to the GitHub repository where this stuff's all 
curated and 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 uh, and and, uh, and collated, and uh, you can submit pull requests if you think things need to be done differently or something needs to be worded better, or uh, or, or this you know whole chunks missing. Yeah, that is very cool. I'm starting to see that more and more pop up in our doc. So good stuff. Very very awesome. But speaking of the the SharePoint and the framework, um, there's some great tutorials that have just come out as well um, that the uh, that the team have done in, on the Office Dev Center. So things like building your first SharePoint client side web part, um, connecting your your web parts to SharePoint, uh, deploying them, deploying SharePoint client side web parts to to content to a content delivery network. Um, Adding jQuery UI accordions to, to your SharePoint clients website, so a bunch of things to get you going, and uh, also uh, at the bottom of that list is hey, well if you haven't even got started yet, here's how to set up your your SharePoint client side web part development environment. So some really good um, sort of step by step instructions and tutorials for getting going. Yeah, you know when we had uh, Andrew Connell on the show several weeks back. We, we kind of alluded to this, that the, the SharePoint team was going to put out some tutorials of their own. Um, and, and these are really meant to, I think, get people up to speed at maybe like the 200 level. Uh, and so this is great if you're brand new to it. Uh, you know, check this out. It's, it's free training. You know, Andrew mentioned that with some of the stuff he's doing, he's going to provide some of the modules for free. And then he's going to go deep in a, a number of areas. So I, I think... Both are, are super valuable, and, and so uh, check out the link in the show notes, and we'll um, have that to where you can find those tutorials. Excellent. Um, kind of moving out of the SharePoint space, at least for now, we're, we're kind of going to go over some of the, the Microsoft announcements first before we get into the community. But um, in, in the Microsoft space, one of the things that uh, there was a good post that talked about the Microsoft Teams developer preview. and. Um, this is just an updated post. Uh, they, there's nothing, I would say, all that new in here. This is talking about the different components that you can use when you customize Microsoft Teams. Um, Microsoft Teams obviously is in preview right now. It's still something that in your tenant you have to actually physically turn on. It's not just automatically there, but uh, it certainly has a lot of interest You know, just due to the popularity of Slack. You know, Slack likes to talk about being the most viral productivity tool in the world, um, and, and they've just grown super fast. I think we have, you know, similar goals for what Teams does. I know for me personally, the fact that it aggregates all of my productivity tools kind of in one place uh, is, I find it extremely valuable to be able to just go to one tool and be able to do everything from there. And so this this post, and we'll have it in the show notes, it just kind of talks about what those different components are from being able to deliver a user experience uh, through something like a custom tab to building bots against Microsoft Teams and all of the you know unique things that you can do in bots like have custom cards and things like that within your uh, bot conversations. And then I like to think of this connectors as kind of the, medi- the, the middle between real-time communication of a bot and more of the curated user interface. So connectors are, are very similar. Well, it's really the same thing as a, an Office 365 connector for groups, but it also works inside of a team. And, and you know, the idea here is you can deliver a small user interface within a conversation, and it's even actionable. You can have actions and actually collect data through different uh, UI controls. And so um, I, I thought this was a really good summary of all those different things that you can do um, from a developer 
inside of Microsoft Teams. And the neat thing is they're not all like ex like mutually exclusive. Um, uh, hopefully next week I've been trying to get it out, but I have a, a really good post that I'm going to do that talks about taking all of the different components of Microsoft Teams and delivering it together to deliver a really good solution. And so, um, you know, you could take all of these one by one where it makes sense, but you can also combine them to deliver really cool things. And uh, this starts to kind of illustrate some of that. Yeah, it's really, really neat. I, we've been, uh, we really adopted Microsoft Teams in our, uh, in our local subsidiary uh, for in, in DX, but also wider around, uh, around APAC, and, and we're using it to collaborate on a bunch of other stuff as well. And it's, I, I love the simplicity of, of, of uh, spinning up a team, um, using it to collaborate there, and then and it, it comes with so many useful pieces. It comes with um, uh, a calendar and, 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 uh, and files. Uh, it comes, obviously, with a chat piece. You can have meetings, that, that all, that, all that stuff. We, we have very Skype-like meetings that happen, both on audio, video, and also, uh, also in text. Uh, and the, the ability to, to customize it, I think, is going to make it super powerful. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing all the things that, uh, that both we and, uh, and third parties do with it because it's, it's, uh, it, I think it's, a, it's an amazing tool. Yep. So, Mike, the other next thing that uh, that we talked about is uh, that, that we've announced in the last little while is that add-in commands, which have been uh, available on uh, in some bits of Outlook for a while, are now available for Word, Excel, and PowerPoint in Office for Mac, um, which is uh, which which is really neat. So, the, the ability to to, to customise ribbons and, and put the um, you know, put drop-down menus in the ribbon and so on as as part of your add-ins uh, is now available on the Mac and and. Uh, this is the this is just a continuation of the of the promise we've been making to to customize or sorry standardize the um the the UI or at least the the experience it won't, the UI itself won't be identical but be the experience across the various platforms that run Office. Yeah, you know it's it's I'm a Mac user. I mean, as a it's kind of what I use as my primary device, mainly because I need both a Mac and a PC, and it's just easier to have that combination when you're running a Mac, and so. Right. Um, you know, for, for a long time, I've missed out on these features, or at least I didn't use them in my real work. I'd use them when I did development on a PC, and so it's really cool to see that stuff starting to light up and seeing that vision come to fruition. So uh, exciting stuff. Yeah, so, the, um, so we've got the, the Word, Excel, and PowerPoint uh, in, in, in preview generally in the develop preview, but there's also, if you're an insider fast user, you'll get add-in commands in Outlook 2016 on Mac as well. So that's also the Outlook piece. Now, there's a, that's a little, a little aside there. I often get asked by partners and customers, why, I mean, if all these things are Office, why does, why does Outlook sit outside the, the, the well, seem to sit separate from the Word, Excel, and PowerPoint group, which all kind of sit together? Have you got a, a decent answer for that? Oh, I was hoping you weren't going to ask me. I thought you had some great answers. That I was going to... Well, I mean, the, uh, the, the, the explanation I've heard is that, that they actually really are different groups inside the office group. There's the Outlook and the mail, the, mail, the mail team, and then there's the, the kind of rest of office team. Um, and I guess SharePoint is separate from that as well. But it's a, it's a big beast. I'll tell you, here's probably the best way to describe it and why it's that way is that Outlook... It, although it's not called Outlook, has a server component to it, which is Exchange. And it's really, if you look at all the Office products, any of the Office products that have like a significant server product that kind of goes along with it, it's kind of a separate team. So Outlook right. and Exchange are kind of the separate team. Same thing with Skype for Business and Skype for Business Server. Like that's kind of a separate team within Microsoft. Right. And so I think it's just like, it just makes sense because of the, 
the deeper collaboration that needs to occur between um, those two products. Now, you might make the argument, well, what about all the other Office products and how they tie into SharePoint? I think that's a little bit different, right? That's just kind of like a, a file protocol and, and not so much like you, you flat out can't use some of those, uh, those tools like Outlook and um, Skype for Business without the server end. Whereas right. you can use Word, PowerPoint, Excel, you know, OneNote. You can use those without a server. So, yep, no, I think how's that's, that? That's a, that's a great explanation, and, and it's one I try and trot out as well. It, it, I just, it, it, the the funny thing for me is that I have been uh, uh, been the interface between this perception of Microsoft as this monolith, which is what how people see it from the outside, and this uh, this collection of, of, of groups, which is you see it for, as from the inside, uh, and uh, and 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 I think you and I are at that 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 real that 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 interface that that uh, our customers uh, work through to try and uh, make that make sense of all of that. So I, I, I'm always pleased to hear another another perspective on that uh, on that uh, setup. Yeah, very so- cool. Moving on to those were kind of some of the main Microsoft announcements. There was a lot in the community. The community was really busy this week. In fact, um, well, one of the things that I think is really cool is I, there were some new community names that popped up. Uh, blogs that I weren't, I wasn't following at first, but definitely are now. Um, and, and you know, some of our MVP community helped kind of illustrate those and make the make me aware of that. Uh, but uh, I guess I'll kick it off since we're talking about. Office add-ins and Office JS and things like that. Um, Michael Zlotkowski, I hope I said that right, um, actually authored a book on building Office add-ins using Office JS. And so um, I think this is pretty neat. You know, we when we talked with Andrew Connell the other week, we were talking about how different people learn. Um, there's kind of learn, and then there's like being able to reference material. And I think like books give you both those. It gives you a really great way to, if you're the type that likes to sit and read through a book, fantastic. But it's also a really good reference. It's easy to go back to a book and be able to, you know, find a chapter or a section that um, is really relevant to you. And so um, we'll have a link to this in the show notes. You can uh, go through and look at all the different kind of areas that he covers. But he talks, this is, this is because it's brand new. It's, it is up to like the 2016 wave of APIs for, you know, Excel, Word, and OneNote. Um, and so um, not only that, it's, it's written by a member of the Office Extensibility Platform team at Microsoft. Right. So, it, yeah. It's very cool. I, I, I think what you say about books resonates really well with me. I've always been a book guy. And the thing that I find most, about, most useful about learning and remembering from books is I tend to remember where things are on a page. I know that I'm looking for that thing that was in the bottom right-hand corner. And I'll flick through the book, and 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 the the layout of the page will jog my memory about where I want to be. Uh, and I just don't get that when I'm reading websites or or, uh, or trying to read eBooks. It, it's it's uh, it's very neat. Yeah, I I I don't want to I don't want to illustrate what area of our documentation this week, but there was there was a situation this week where I, I I found a site that was in our documentation, and it was really important for what I needed. And I closed the tab somehow, and and. I think I had it. I always have in private windows open all the time because I'm logged in with different users. Right. And man, I bet I spent an hour trying to find that again. Yeah. Like, and right. like it shouldn't be that hard. Whereas, like a book, it's like you said, it's sometimes a lot easier to go back and find that. So, absolutely. Yes. 
So I, I don't know if this is one of the uh, one, one of the new names you're talking about. I, I've known Ashish Trevidi for a little while. Uh, he's one of our one of our um, community guys here in Australia, and doing some great work uh, in uh, in SharePoint and uh, and uh, and Office Dev. And he's uh, he's done quite a good post on Office Dev and in Agile and DevOps. So how do you go about building and testing and coding and packaging and releasing and monitoring as part of your Office Dev setup? Um, he did a, a session, I think, uh, well, this, this has been published under the European SharePoint uh, Conference, um, SharePoint Europe site, but, uh, but Ashish has, has contributed this, this article. And um, it, it's, uh, it, you know, it, it's some really interesting stuff. He's gone off, uh, he's just uh, changed, changed roles recently in working at, uh, at one of our big um, uh, integration partners here in Australia. And is built is doing some uh, doing some great work on, on the uh, DevOps side of Office Dev. You know this this has been an area where we've had a lot of interest in the past, and and really, you know, shame on us. Microsoft doesn't really provide a lot of uh, good information around this. In fact, I got asked to do this at one conference, and they're like, "We want Microsoft's perspective on on these things," and I had to like hunt things down and. The only thing I could really find that we provided like any sort of story around was, you know, we did have some automated build and deployment things set up that kind of fell in the DevOps space. But, you know, this is great. Uh, Chris O'Brien's another MVP that's that's written a lot around DevOps and and kind of the development lifecycle in, in Office Dev. So it's awesome to see more of this out there because it is desperately needed and, and super valuable stuff. It's very cool indeed. So kind of going on, um, we mentioned, or I guess we kind of alluded to uh, when we were talking about things like uh, leveraging um, things like webhooks that we might have more to say about this when we got into the community. And, and one of those people that's, that's kind of played with this uh, webhooks and doing things with Azure Functions is John Liu, also out of, uh, the, out of Australia. And so he's got a good post here, not so much directly related to that, but Entering, interacting with the graph and making O365 groups with Azure Functions and PowerShell. Um, and so I thought this was kind of a, a really interesting one from a, a few different aspects. He's using some of the patterns and practices PowerShell to do this, but he kind of talks through um, the, the configuration of doing kind of all aspects of this from setting up the, the app in Azure Active Directory through to uh, you know leveraging this and actually putting some you know, governance around how you might get some of these groups provisioned. Right, and, and using functions is very, very cool. This is fascinating for me in particular that that, uh, that we put this in here because just yesterday I was uh, I, we, we ran a bunch of speaker training for our Ignite in Australia, uh, which is coming up uh, in the middle of next month, and John's doing a session on exactly this. And so I was talking to him about this about this stuff yesterday uh, while while we were doing the speaker training. So I, I'm, fa- I'm going to be fascinated to see his session, which, by the way, we're going to live um, live stream out of the out of the main arena. One of one of the ten sessions they're getting live streamed at uh, at Ignite. Uh, in uh, and I think it'll be on Wednesday, the fifteenth of February. So uh, keep an eye out for the Ignite Australia live stream. Nice, very cool indeed. Um, of course, uh, it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be a uh, community roundup without some uh, some regular names as well. Uh, Ilya Struff uh, is doing some uh, has, has done quite a nice post on how do how you work out which Office three six five groups a user is a member of, um, and so this is. This is actually an, almost a non-trivial question in some ways because um, groups there are different types of groups 
you could you could be a member of as part of the as part of Office three six five. And so you need to do some some uh, some multiple. Uh, you need to do some multiple uh, uh, calls to get, uh, or at least some filtering to get to get group uh, uh, information back. But Ilya has just done a, a, a quite a nice little, um, quite a nice little uh, uh, post about how to find out uh, which which groups you're a member of. And so it's a really useful um, graph call uh, to to get that done. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, he kind of goes through both how you might use some of the filtering. Uh, Queries on the Microsoft Graph, but also some of the the interesting things that we that we make available directly in the graph. So a good example is rather than filtering group types by whether or not they're unified, we provide like a me slash joined groups. In fact, what's interesting is I, I had an app about a year ago that used joined groups, and it was in beta at the time. And the graph team reached out to me. They're like, "Hey, um, we prefer you not use this because we don't think we're going to continue with it." Right. I guess people. I guess they saw that it was popular, and um, they've they've moved it into the V1 endpoint now. So it's not going away at this point. Well, it's not going to go away anytime soon because it's in the official V1 endpoint, uh, which I'm happy. I'm, I'd love to see joined groups work for any user. Uh, it doesn't yet today, but um, hey, if that sounds like something you're interested in, go out to User Voice and and put it out there. I'll vote it up for you. Absolutely. Um, so Elio, like you said, he's, he's one of our regulars. He actually had two posts this week that were good. Another one here was about using how to add guests to an Office 365 group via the Microsoft Graph API. So uh, when you get a group in the Microsoft Graph, you have a members collection, and you can certainly manipulate that. But I think this goes a little step further to actually talk about how you'd add a guest to that because groups do support that concept of, being able to have a guest. And so he kind of walks through, it looks like he created a few through a UI and inspected what the member looks like on the back end and then ultimately um, put that through to code to where he could actually uh, specify, you know, who it was. Because you had to have things like who who the user was invited by, who that guest was invited by. Right. And so um, anyway, I thought this was really neat. This is something that I didn't even know um, was a, a capability. So... Uh, thanks, Elio, for your contribution. Two contributions this week. You get the uh, contribution award, which the, the, the multiple contribution award. I think that's probably a, a call out on the show, isn't it? To tell you, you've got it. That's that's the the award right it, there. It should be. I think it's lived with Waldeck for a long time. And, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so currently, currently, Elio, you're standing at two, and we haven't got a lot left to talk about. So I think you're probably safe with the, with the award this week. Um, the next thing I did want to chat about, though, was uh, was. Uh, Paul Schaeflin, uh, I think I've pronounced that incorrectly, but yeah, you know, that's, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's talking about diagnostic logging in uh, Adal v3. Now, look, Adal is—it's not. I'm not going to say it's a black art um, because it's—it's—it's it's, it's lots easier than some of the other things that we've done before. But it really is useful to be able to see what's going on behind the scenes when you when when you when you uh, when, when you do a, a, a an Adal call. And he's got, um, uh, you know. He's got quite a nice little post about uh, how to do logging and how to how to how to get quite um, quite comprehensive set, a set of information about what what the ADAL libraries are doing at the time. So it's a, you know just just a, a, a line or two of code to, to do this um, to, to do this, but it means that you can get a whole lot of information about uh, about so quite verbose information about what what the ADAL libraries are up to. Yeah, you know, uh, ADAL and MSAL for that matter are, are both kind of black boxes where. 
Um, and, and I think that's a good thing in a lot of ways. I, I find that uh, most SharePoint developers that I go and talk with that have done you know, things with SharePoint add-ins don't understand OAuth at all. And, and I think that's because you know, we provided early on, we provided like token helper classes and all these classes that kind of abstracted away the whole OAuth dance that occurs. And, and ADAL does the same thing. So in a lot of ways, if you just use ADAL, you may not really understand kind of all that goes on. In fact, the most recent versions, ADAL 3, which is what he's talking about here, you don't even see a refresh token. It's not even exposed. They, keep, right. they completely hide it behind the scenes. And so what, what the, the logging can do, if you look at the detail of his blog post, you can look to see like, hey, this will actually tell me that I have a token that is you know, either expired or near expiration. And, and it kind of gives you some insight into why something might happen when you're calling into ADAL. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I think it's, it's, it's a fantastic tool. Uh, you know, another tool that I, you know, beyond this that I think is really valuable, Kirk Evans built a Fiddler plugin a while back to like mm-hmm. um, be able to look inside JOT tokens. So when you do get tokens back from ADAL, being able to, you know, a lot of times you'll get a token back, but it might still not work. Um, so being able to see like the scopes that are in the tokens are super valuable. So like like this and that combined are like I think invaluable type of things to be doing uh, when you use a- a- Azure Active Directory. I agree entirely. The thing about black boxes is that um, they're they're wonderful while they're working, and when they're not, prying them apart and finding out what's going on is uh, is sometimes difficult. Uh, but though, I mean, kudos to the ADAL team. There's a they they've um, defined an interface called IADAL Log Callback. Uh, which allows you to do whatever you want and, and log that information however you'd like to log it. That, that's what um, that, that's what uh, Paul's done in this in this app in this uh, in this example. Cool. Uh, moving on, this is actually who I was thinking as in terms of a new name. I I, I didn't have her in my my Feedly feed where I try to keep track of what's going on in the community, but she's definitely in there now. This is Julie Turner. Uh, she's a principal architect that works with Mark Anderson. And uh, she wrote, she's actually going to do an entire series on this. So I think it's going to be a multi-part thing. She's done part one thus far, but this is how to extend SharePoint using ADAL and the Microsoft Graph API. So, uh, I mean, this is really, if you're a SharePoint person and you haven't done a whole lot with the Microsoft Graph yet because we just now are starting to get SharePoint things in it um, and you're not familiar with things like ADAL, this is the type of thing that I highly recommend that you go and uh, and read. And so I love that not only is is Julie blogging about this, but is doing it as you know a multi-part series. So you can kind of uh, walk through everything from like the initial setup of things like a micro, like an app in in Azure Active Directory, and that you know there's different types of apps. You know when you build a SharePoint app, there's just kind of one type of well. In terms of where you register it, there's only one type of uh, of app. But here, you know, you can have native apps versus web apps, and and so I think um, this is a really good foundational thing for you to go through and and be able to understand what's going on there. So, uh, kudos to Julie, and thanks Mark for um, you know tweeting this out so that I, I was aware of of Julie's contributions. She's had some other really good stuff as well. So. Um, when you see the link to her blog in the show notes, go and look at some of uh, her past blog posts as well. 
Yeah, I think this is great stuff. Uh, and and um, uh, it, it, as you say, it's sorely needed. It, it gives some great introductory work on on, uh, on the different sort of choices you can make with authentication, how the how flow works, um, and then yeah, all the reg- just say the registration of the application piece. Uh, very very neat. I'm looking forward to seeing the next bits. I, I'm particularly impressed with uh, how the the comprehensive set of re- resources she's got at the end of the uh, of the uh, the post as well. It's it's uh, I think it's a really well written and and worthwhile uh, worthwhile read. Yep. Uh, of course, it wouldn't be a uh, it wouldn't be a show without a uh, uh, a post from Waldak. Uh, Waldak Mastercards uh, has done an awesome uh, an awesome little post on well, awesome not little awesome post on uh, on building multi page SharePoint framework web parts with React. Um, I I often have this when I talked before about having this discussion with community people about you know uh, the the decisions we've made around how groups are set up inside Microsoft. The, the other topic that often comes up is how do, how do we decide what um, what frameworks we're using or going to support, and then the React versus Angular thing is often one that comes up. We've talked about it before on the show, but um, uh, well, that has, uh, has has done a, a great job uh, talking about multi-page framework web parts, SharePoint framework web parts, and, and particularly using React to do that, and how you get them to communicate with each other and, and, and route between them and so on. So definitely, definitely worth uh, checking that out. I, I, um, I always love how comprehensive his explanations are of the of the code and the and and the uh, and what's going on. Another another one of these blog posters who I like reading because I always get another nugget of great information out of it. Yeah, I need to find out who Waldeck uses how what he uses to format code in his posts because um, I really like <laughs> the. I, I don't know if that's what he's hosting on WordPress or what, but. Uh, he does a really good job of that. But Waldick, I don't know what's up, man. Just one post this week? Like, really? <laughs> You're getting beat by Elio. That's right. Yeah, you have to, you have to get, go in for the, go in for the uh, community award next week. I'm just, I'm just teasing with you. <laughs> so I, I, mentioned, um, I mentioned Chris O'Brien earlier in the show. Chris has done a – he's one of my favorite MVPs. has done a ton of stuff around SharePoint development, like real-world SharePoint development, where he's working with large customers that are doing things with – uh, modern SharePoint development. He's done a lot on things like like DevOps and and the application lifecycle development of building modern SharePoint solutions. And he did a post this week on avoiding dependency issues in the SharePoint framework. Uh, and and so I, I I think this is you know if you look at you know the you start getting into things like using different node packages because of like you know there can be dependencies upon dependencies and they can have different version dependencies um you can get into uh, some pretty crazy challenges and so he talks through a lot of this around things like not using when you when you do uh, an npm npm install not using the save attribute because that then does it locally and it can write over maybe something else that you have he talks about like some of what some of the other pitfalls and caveats are of of doing this. So um, definitely check that out. Uh, I think you know if, if you're going to do any sort of significant development around the SharePoint framework, um, this is going to be a really important foundation to make sure you're not um, stepping over yourself or over others with uh, what you're doing around the different references that you have. Yeah, I think particularly. Um 
particularly as we, we move more and more into this world of, uh, of interdependencies on packages that come from other places, this, the idea that you understand what's going on is really, really helpful because otherwise we're, uh, we're just relying on the, 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 the good grace of others. Uh, and while that's a, useful, it's a, it's a, it's a lovely philosophy, it, uh, it doesn't necessarily help us uh, uh, troubleshoot a bunch of problems. Yep. So the last one on, on, on our list, I think, is, is, is a, neat, um, a, a neat post from, from Paul Galvin around building real solutions on top of SharePoint Online. Um, it, it's, I, I've often sort of thought of SharePoint Online as, as uh, SharePoint, on, SharePoint Lite. And, and uh, while well, it's been possible, obviously, to, to, build, um, to build solutions on there, there are, it, it's, had some, it's had some limitations. But um, he's, he's, come, he's got quite a comprehensive uh, uh, explanation of something that he built um, uh, that used to be a, a SharePoint portal and uh, at, uh, I think an on-premises portal, and then he's talked about how, he's, how they've taken that and, and done some, some, uh, some work to, to make it SharePoint Online and, and the sort of stuff they've done around infrastructure and DevOps, around user Visual Studio Online and, 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 the, Git, uh, and the, the Git endpoints on that, uh, and, um, and then how, they, uh, how they've used a bunch of other online, uh, online uh, services to, to get all that done, things like generating PowerPoints and PDFs, for example. Um, and um, uh, that's a, that's a, it's a really it's a really useful um, uh, pointer to a bunch of these different uh, a bunch of these different technologies that you can use to create quite a comprehensive application on SharePoint Online. Yep, good stuff. Well, that was a ton. That was a lot. A lot there to read. A lot there to listen to. So um, I think we're gonna probably stop it at that for this week and and we'll we'll have a guest back next week but we had so much in the community and so much from the microsoft world we thought that there was plenty to to do this podcast with just a, a catch-up of the closing out of july or, or not july january it still starts with a j still starts i'm just ready for summer i guess i don't know but uh, very good awesome well, well look, have a great australia day i hope you chuck a chuck a prawn on the barbie for us and and uh and uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks, man. Enjoy your day. Well, that's all for this week. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all our podcasts, the developer program, and other amazing content. Also, make sure you follow us at OfficeDev on both Twitter and Facebook. Until next week, get your code on.